Dr. Barbara, moderator here at East Coast, to my own moderator, Reverend Dr. Carl Johnson, my greatest friend this side of heaven. Jeffrey, I'm still praying for you, Doc. Dr. Mike, what strength that he has shown there. God bless you. To all of these preachers, to the presider, I see one of my other best friends out there, Reverend Samuel Reed. Raise your hand, man. Yeah, that was my running partner. Hadn't seen him in a long time. So glad to be here. President of the Women Department, Sister Angela M. Williams, Layman's President Deacon Samuel Strange, Chairman of the Scholarship Committee, Sister Angela Shellman. To our President of our Women Department, Sister Ophelia Morrison, raise your hand so they'll know where you are. Our Administrative uh, Secretary, Sister Olga Williams, saw Dr. Steve Carwell come in, the President of our Congress of Christian Education, and my member, you heard her, she is the president of my mission society and also the second vice uh, president of our women department, Seaboard, and I saw some of my Bethel family here tonight, especially Brother George. So good to see you, man. Amen. If you would be so kind, uh, those of you who are on the far left, just come in to this aisle right here, if you will, young people. Just, just fill in right here. That way I don't have to try and look around. God bless you, Riven Whitehead. God bless you. And to all of my Heavenly Father's children, I am deliciously delighted to be here. Now, Sister Shellman told me, don't hold y'all too long, told me to be brief. Let y'all out here so the children can go to school and told me at best do a sermonette. And so we are here tonight. You may be seated. I want to talk just a bit tonight and consider 1 Corinthians 15th chapter. Just two verses, three and four verses. 
1 Corinthians, 15th chapter, 3 and 4 verses. The third and the fourth verses. For I deliver unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I want to place a tag upon this text and talk about transmitting legacy, transmitting love, and transmitting life. Transmitting legacy, transmitting love, and transmitting life. Considering Black History Month, permit me, if you will, an unusual approach to this passage without really doing its original meaning any harm. Paul is transmitting the theological treasures of Calvary to the church at Corinth. He says, or writes, I deliver to you first of all that which I also received. And Christian history has proven that these theological revelations were valuable for the fidelity and future of this church because without them, they would have never known the many doctrinal apologetics associated with the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If it had not been for Pauline theology, the salvific message of grace would have been weighted down with the rhetoric of righteousness through works. Without revelations from Paul, the ordinance of baptism would have been conveniently dismissed by the Pharisees as nothing more than ablutions in mitvaults in the temple. But the Corinthian church was constantly made to understand these doctrinal truths because Paul constantly and consistently kept transmitting them. He said, I delivered to you first that which I have also received. Well, when I consider the cosmology of black people in America, I have an acute fear that we are in danger of losing all that was passed down to us. When the Civil Rights Institute in Birmingham with a board of majority non-black leaders refused and Angela Davis as an award recipient, but is proudly framed in a news caption that reads, Birmingham now has the distinction of being perhaps the only major museum created to commemorate the struggles of a people that is not led by the representatives from that people group. 
Brothers and sisters, I'm afraid that we are in danger of losing the historical treasures of our people. This also reminds me of an article that I read a few years ago in Huffington Post where a conservative-led state board of education in Texas approved massive changes to their textbooks to put slavery in a more positive light. And then a group of Tea Party activists in Tennessee followed on their heels to remove all references of slavery and mentions of the founding fathers being slaveholders. And according to them, this would cause the future generations of African Americans to forget about the bestility of slavery and the mistreatment of African Americans in America. But I'm glad some Neo-Pauline blacks wrote, we will deliver to them all that we have received. And it is incumbent upon us black people, I'm talking about real black people, not corporate influence black, not house Negroes, not human Oreos that's white on the inside while being black on the outside but I'm talking about blacks who embody the legacy of Malcolm X, embody the legacy of Mega Evers, Fannie Lou Hammer, Rosa Parks and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We got to transmit this legacy of our ancestors. For we are essentially the leak to a strong and enlightened black people, our progenitors, which have come before us and our progeny that will follow us, are depending on us to bridge the history. And if we fail, then racial pride will drop his head in shame. Moral integrity will drain off into the cesspool of social disgrace. And future generations of black will revert back to the days when hope unborn had died. For we are charged by our ancestors to perpetuate this legacy. Yeah, remember it. That it is not ours for selfish gain, but it's for us to give God the glory. We must never put profit and political gain above the love for God, people. The love of God and the love of manner must not be conflated. But we are called by God. To love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there must never be a greater burden than to do good, love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Therefore, during this era of political and social terrorism, we must transmit the legacy of our ancestors. Dr. Maya Angelou said, 
we must bring forth the gifts that are our ancestors. Because we are their dreams and we are the hope of the slaves. Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune said we must never forget the suffering and sacrifices of our forefathers and foremothers. For they were the foundation of the progress of our people. James Barwin said the great force of our history is that we carry it within us. And unconsciously we are controlled by it. Therefore, our history must always have in it the presence of those who have gone on before us. Langston Hughes, in one of his prose, the Negro speaks of rivers. Embodied this, he wrote, I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the river. I bathed in the Euphrates when Don was young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing in Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans. And I've seen his muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient deep rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. And I contend tonight that if we're going to survive and thrive as a black people, then we must pass on the legacy of our forefathers and foremothers. Those sons of daughters of Tall who demonstrated to us that they know how to survive in adverse circumstances. They survived the slave camps in Africa. They survived the middle passage to America. They survived the auction blocks in the antebellum south. They survived the black codes, the Jim Crow law, the conviction leasing laws. They survived lynchings, fire hoses and dogs in Jim Crow south. They survived because they knew somebody. They knew a God who could take a crooked stick and still hit a straight leg. They knew a God who could comfort them in their sorrow, strengthen them when they're weak, and build them up when they're toned down. They, they knew a God who would prop them up on every weekend leaning side, lift up their hung down head, and wipe the tears from their weeping eyes. They knew a God who could handle their shut downs, their shutouts, their social put down, their low down dealings in life. And can I tell you tonight, as Dr. Cook say, you ought to get to know him. Yeah. But unfortunately, 
many of our young people have dismissed the ways of our progenitors to peddle and promote novelties of the popular culture which propagates the idea that only new ideas can be productive. Far too many of our youth have come to believe that they no longer need the wisdom of our ancestors. Referring to it as primitive, thus relegating their teaching to the non-essentials and placing them on the heat pile of the forgotten while propping up new gods and proclaiming new doctrine. But somebody shouted, give me that old time religion. Because there is a danger in this newfangled movement. Because this inoculation against reflective thinking have robbed so many young people of that cloud that has guided our fathers by day. And that pillar of fire that has led them through the night. And they're left standing in some wilderness with dark shades on their eyes, covering up their eyes and holding out their hands, talking about what's up, man. I'm reminded of Angela Davis. Moderator, she was invited to FIU some years ago. She said, that because of this disconnect between the older generation and the younger generation, we have created a vacuum in our community. Therefore, our neighborhoods have become nothing but hangouts and hoods. The late Dr. James Cone, father of liberation theology, taught at Union Theological Seminary in New York. I attended there for a semester, said that that vacuum is even more present in the black church. Because whatever happens in the streets, we bring it to church. But we won't carry the church to the streets. And according to Dr. Cohen, this have created empty pews and empty churches in our black churches. But can I suggest tonight, Dr. Barber, that we take this problem serious. Because the black church, which was known as lively stones, have become a mausoleum of dead men's bones. We are no longer concerned about transmitting wisdom through preaching and teaching. We are engaged in fierce revolution, picking up swords of selfishness and creating a climate of genocide. As the late Dr. Mike King Carter said, our churches have become nothing more than ecclesiastical bowling alleys instead of propping one another up we are knocking one another talk to me somebody instead of pulling for one another we are pulling against one another 
Instead of helping one another, we are hurting one another. Instead of being there for one another, we are trying to avoid one another. And thus we are losing our young people, our black families, our black communities, our black businesses, and even our black churches. Paul said, I deliver unto you what I have also received. But I want to say to you, black, you young black people who are my young sisters and brothers, you must never forget where you come from. Let me say it again to my young sisters and brothers. Don't ever forget where you come from. Don't forget your history. And the legacy of your people, we were slaves for 246 years. For some 400 years, we have been the target of racism and discrimination. For no other people in the history of America have suffered through such starless midnight of human indignity than the sons and daughters of Africa. But even more astonishing than this was their tenacity to keep on fighting until their chains were broken. And we are the recipients of their struggle. Therefore, let's not get too cute now. Strutting around here like a proud peacock or righteous rooster. You didn't get it on your own. Talk to me, somebody. Therefore, we must transmit their legacy. We must transmit it because the battle ain't over yet. We have not yet reached the promised land. I'm, I'm hurrying, Sister Shepard. I'm, I'm trying. Even some of us want to forget about our past. We can't forget because the battle is still raging. Racism is still rampant. And that call to make America great again doesn't include us. Webb Du Bois, before he died in 1963, said we must keep on fighting even though sometimes it seems as if we're knocking against wind, we got to keep on fighting. Can I get a witness here? Because uh, racism is still present today. We, we still have a fight ahead of us. For they are sitting in the White House. They are congregating in the halls of Congress. They are legislating on the judicial system. They are sitting on the education board. Some of them are registering us to vote. We got to keep on fighting. Yes, until justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Paul wrote, I delivered unto you that which I have also received. And then he added that Christ died 
for us. The late Reverend Rufus Williams said, what manner of love is this? We are sinners, enemies of God, and yet he died for us. What manner of love is this? God becoming a part of our mess. God living in our hoods. God having our addresses, our zip codes. God with us. Dr. George E. St. Laurent said, this is God revealing himself in human experiences under the impact of a humane worldview. The divine becoming oppressed in order to liberate the world from oppression. God becoming oppressed for he was smitten and stricken wounded for our transgression. God becoming oppressed that he might liberate us from our oppression. The late Dr. James Cone said, this is God especially engaging the oppression of the black community. As a doctor in the sick room, lawyer in the courtroom, Bread in a starving land, water in dry places, a company keeper in loneliness, and a bridge over troubled water. According to Cone, this is God becoming black flesh and dwelling among us. That's why Langston Hughes, in his poem entitled Christ in Alabama, wrote, Christ is a Negro. Beaten in black. That's why Webb Du Bois in his book entitled Dark Water wrote about a white man after lynching a Negro fearfully asked God that black and ribbon thing. Was that you? That's why Gerard Basinthe wrote in the land where we were uprooted we shall one day give birth to our Christ. Christ made flesh of our flesh, the dark flesh of black people, not a God with blue eyes and blonde hair, but one who got hair like lamb wool, eyes like a flame of fire, feet like polished brass, who can empathize with black bodies swinging from southern trees. Because George Bernard Shaw said he was lynched on a stick. But he grabbed the right end of it. And even though he could have used it, Dr. Mike, as a pole vault to step down from the cross, he hung on until death came. And he gave up the ghost. The late Dr. Carter said that God at the cross got as weak as he could and still defeated the evils of this world. For it was on his way to Golgotha 
that God got under the load. And when he got to Calvary, he dipped his shoulders and picked up the world situation. And he turned our midnight into day. Can I get a witness here? God with us. And because God loved us. And because Jesus died for us. Then we got to learn how to start loving ourselves. Dr. Mala Karenga said we African Americans, this is education, right? We as, we as African Americans must stop hating our beautiful black selves. Start loving the image that we see in the mirror. And then he said, we'll stop propagating that lie if you're light and bright and almost white. Can I get a witness here? Then you're all right. But if you're brown, you can stick around. But if you're dark and black, then you got to stand back. Reminded of Stanley Saunders, a Rhodes Scholar from Yale Law School who confessed his attempt to hide his white friend from his white friends, the fact that he came from the ghetto of Watts. According to him, this was an attempt so that he could merge into bourgeois America. But with this new black consciousness that he gained from black power of self-love, he said, I am a child of the ghetto. And what affects Watts affects me. And what happens and Watts happened to me, I stake my claim on his future because Watts is my home. And then he said, baby, I'm coming home. And we too must come home. I know you moved out in the suburb. Somewhere out in the boondocks, in a white neighborhood to escape the hood. But what affect our community should affect us. And if we are to achieve equality, then we must love the things that are part of our race and culture. We must start loving our black community, loving our black schools, loving our black churches, loving our black businesses, loving our own cold ice, and loving our beautiful black selves. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, but love your neighbor as yourself, which transliterate means you can't love me. Until you love yourself first. And in the words of the late, great Barry White, we need to start telling America, you've been telling us this. Telling us that. Said once we're with you, we'll never go back. But I got a message that I want to teach. Here we are, baby. 
Practice what you preach. Be true to what you put on paper. Be true to what you pledge your allegiance to. And I come to tell you, no finance. Yeah, no romance. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to start loving ourselves. Reminded of the words of the late God, Father of Souls. Who shouted, look with your bad self. Say it loud. Say it loud. Say it loud. We got to start loving. Loving ourselves. I, just one more point and, I, and I'm through. I, I promise you. Just, just one more and I, I'm through. Finally, we must look at this text again, notice. Paul writes, I deliver to you first that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins and was buried, and he rose again the third day. We got to stop speaking death and start transmitting life. Doesn't matter what has happened, it can live again. No matter how dead it is, it can live again. This tells me that evil doesn't have the final word. This tells me that weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. This tells me, as the moderator said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. This tells me that it ain't over till God says it's over. Because William Cullen Bryant was right. Truth that is crushed to the earth will rise again. Hold me, musician, because James Russell Lowe was right. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future and behind the dim unknown stands God in the shadows. Keeping watch over his own. Because C.A. Tinley was right, harder yet may be the fight. Yes, sir. Righteousness may yield to might. Wickedness for a while may reign and Satan's cause may seem to gain. But there's a God who rules above with hands of power and a heart of love. And if I'm right, if the moderators are right, if you're right, if Seaboard and East Coast is right, God will fight our battles. Paul said he was buried, but God raised him from the dead. Transliterate, God gave him life so that he could transmit life to us. Well, I'm reminded as I get ready to close of a story that was told by an atheist. He said one day he met a Negro and he wanted to know why he was so faithful to Jesus. He said, we brought you to American slave ships bearing his name. We sold you to Christians. We didn't allow you to worship in our white churches. We burned crosses to terrorize you. And prayed before we tortured you. Yes, sir. 
why do you still remain faithful to Jesus? Well, the preacher answered him in broken English. Said, well, we were going to leave him. But he asked us to stay with him over the weekend. Until he get out of that six foot hole that they put him in. And then he promised to help us to get out of our holes in life. Well, can I tell you another perspective about Jesus? He came through the back door of human history. Born among those who were at the back of the line of human society. He was raised up in the lowly and humble ghetto called Nazareth. Came at a time when Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle was the common fare upon human lips. He came when Augustus was Caesar. Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. Herod was tetrarch of Galilee. Philip tetrarch of Trachonitis. And Lysias tetrarch of Abilene. But he chose to hang out with prostitutes, publicans, and sinners. He was raised in the poop part of town. He was a doctor without a medicine bag. A teacher without a classroom. A lawyer without a courtroom. Counselor without a couch. A poet without a pen. A king without an earthly throne, a captain without an army. He was tried in the high courts of Jerusalem, turned over to the street committee, condemned to death by Pilate, crucified under Tiberius. They nailed his hand. They nailed his feet. They speared him in his side. They hung him high and they stretched him wide. And there he died. He died until the sun refused to shine. He died until the moon went down in blood. He died until the stars fell from the silvery socket until earthquakes and clouds were turned into black savory drapery shroud and cavalry displaying the shame of a sinful world but he died do you know he died well history records that when john f kennedy was shot Mrs. Kennedy took his head and laid it in her lap. And there he died. But when Jesus died, he didn't have no head to lay his lap in. He had to lay his head in the locks of his shoulders. Have I got a witness up in here? 
History records when Robert Kennedy died, they laid his body in the National Cemetery. But when Jesus died, they had to lay his body in Joseph Barrett's tomb. Can I get a witness here? History records that when Ronald Reagan died, the friendly soldiers watched over his body all night long. But when Jesus died, the enemy kept a watch over him. Can I get a witness here? He stayed in the grave all night Friday night. He stayed in the grave all day Saturday morning. He stayed in the grave all night Saturday night. But how many of you know today that early? I wish I had a witness here. I said early. Early. He got up with all power in his hand. Can I get a witness here? And once he got out of his hole, he said unto me, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, thy head upon thy breast. I came to Jesus just as I was. Weary, wounded, and sad. I found in him, I found in him, I found in him a resting place. And he has made me glad. He put clapping in my hand. He put running in my feet. He put joy. Have I got a witness here? Joy down in my heart. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he really? Really won't he? Won't he really? See ya. Yeah! 